Good morning, church family. Um, today I'm going to be reading from several scriptures, so just bear with me. Um, prepare your hearts and your mind and your legs for the reading today, please. Genesis 2, 15 through 17. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Genesis 3, 1 through 5. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from the any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Romans 1:18 through 20. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator, who is forever praised. Amen. Ephesians 6.14 Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place. You may be seated. And Pastor Jim, if you could come to the stage. I arise, family. I counted a privilege to be here to do a little teaching from Scripture this morning. And you're probably wondering, who is this guy and why is he here? Right? And I kind of wonder that myself. I want to give you a little backstory about that. Uh, Liz and I were over with Pastor Joel and Becca, and we we're on that vast courtyard. and. Pastor Joel has this amazing, huge grill, and we were grilling up some food together, and he uh, kind of looked at me and had this look on his face, and he said, Jim, I want to drop a few raisins in your oatmeal. Does that sound like Pastor Joel? <laughs> and uh, I just looked at him, and I said, those seem like pretty big raisins. Yeah, I'm a little nervous about the thing, but, you know, uh, God laid it on my heart to, to do it, and it's a privilege, and so uh, thank you. Thank you for uh, being here. Thanks for your engagement. Thanks for uh, your willingness to sit under the Word of God this morning. So I want to get into it. Uh, this morning, we're going to continue the series uh, in Ephesians about the armor of God, and I want to do just a little bit of review about uh, what Pastor Sam did last week, a very fine job opening up 
the couple of verses prior to verse 14, the belt of truth. And there are a number of things that stand out to me about what Pastor Sam had taught. And the first one is this, is that we truly do not wrestle against people or structures. We wrestle against spiritual wickedness in high places, a personality, an evil personality called Satan. That's one of the big takeaways that I got from uh, Pastor Sam's teaching. The other one is this. We cannot stand, as the scriptures teach, we cannot stand against this cosmic power in our own strength. We don't have the resources. We don't have the wherewithal. We don't have what it takes to stand against this spiritual wickedness. That's another thing I took from his message. And then finally, you got to remember this one, the PPE. Remember that? The personal protective equipment and that huge grain silo and... You just imagine Pastor Sam up there on a a hoist and he just clips in and boom, that piece of metal comes down. That was an excellent illustration, I thought, to the importance of having some kind of protection when we're in the midst of danger. Now, um, I want to open this up a little bit and uh, ask you the question, uh, what is truth? Have you ever been in your neighborhood, in your school, in your workplace, talking with a friend, and you're just kind of having a conversation? What is truth? Where do we find it? What is it? And why is it important? Why is this concept of truth important? And those are some of the questions that I want to answer this morning. And um, raise your hand if you've ever seen the movie, uh, a new released movie called The Jesus Revolution. Anybody seen that? Yeah, uh, it was. A, I'm gonna. See, I don't see many movies twice, but this one I'm gonna see again. It was. It was so good. And so, picture this uh, scene. There are a bunch of hippies in the late '60s, early '70s, is when the movie is kind of crafted around that piece of history. There are a bunch of hippies. They're standing around, and uh, a guy and a girl, kind of hippie, are are talking. And, and the guy says, "You know, I believe that there is objective truth. Truth can be known." And then, and then the girl says, "I don't believe that there is truth. What what if it's just all about different points of view? Huh? Different points of view. I wrestle with truth sometimes. Do you?" Do you, do you wrestle with these questions? Like, where, where, where is it really found? Why is it really important? Does it matter? Uh, what impact does it have where I live right now? And so those are some of the questions that we're going to answer. Uh, let's consider what God says about truth, okay? And uh, you can see on the screen behind, uh, I think this will be really instructive for us. The key idea to the message this morning is this. To walk worthy of our great calling in Christ, we must rely on God's strength and protection to progress into spiritual maturity. Because after all, the Christian life isn't just clothes that we put on. It's not something that we do on a Sunday. It is a lifestyle that we live to emulate the one who has radically saved us from our sin. We want to be like Jesus. And in order to mature, to be like Jesus, we need to engage these disciplines, these armors. 
uh, <clears throat> I'm going to just give you a very, uh, shall I say, a, a pregnant definition of truth, okay? And this is from John MacArthur from The Truth War, written in 2008, and it goes like this. Uh, truth is that which is consistent with the mind, the will, the character, the glory, and being of God. In short, truth is the self-expression, or you might say the self-revelation of God. Okay? Hear that again. That which is consistent with the mind, the will, the character, the glory, and the being of God, the very self-expression, the self-revelation of God himself. See, that's what truth is. <coughs> now, when I talked about some of the, the questions like, where's truth, what is truth, where is it found, why is it important? I want to answer some of those questions and um, in, 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 I'm, I'm going to say three lily pads. We're going to jump on three lily pads this morning. Uh, the first one is I want to look uh, very briefly at the problem of truth. Did you know there's a problem of truth? I'll get into that. There's a power of truth, the power of truth. And then I want to talk about the person of truth. Okay, so the problem, the power and the presence. That's what we're going to look at. So the first thing is this, uh, the, the problem of truth. Years ago, I used to think, I used to think this way. Uh, the problem of truth is that in our culture and through uh, history, people, rational people, have uh, used uh, moral relativism to gain some sense of what truth is. Right? We rationalize, we search out, we reason. It's part of our epistemology, you might say. Uh, it's a fancy word that just simply means how we come to know what we know. And you know what? I, I, don't, I don't believe that any longer. And the reason is this. Uh, be, rational people, uh, just follow this example for a moment. The problem of truth is much, much deeper than moral relativism. And what I mean by that is this. Um, People are smart. Human beings are created in the very image of God. They reflect something of the grandeur, the majesty, and the glory of God, the crispness of God's being. Uh, we, are, we are amazing human beings. We're rational human beings. And no rational human being would ever stop at a stoplight and look ahead and see a truck coming down and subjectively think, well, I think the truth for me is that I can just go right through this red stoplight, and if the truck happens to hit me, I'm going to be okay. Right? You, we would never do that. We would never do that. Now my dog, Bandit, would do that. <laughs> I mean, my, if you know anything about our family, you know that our dog, Bandit, is very unwise. It's because he's not rational. He has been known to go and run right in front of vehicles. He, we have seen him multiple times run after dogs that are much larger than him. At one point, I saw our dog Bandit uh, grabbed by the neck of a much larger dog, shaking around like a rag doll, and we had to grab our dog out of the dog's mouth, and we set him down and tried to get him away. And what does our dog Bandit do? He runs right back to the dog that was attacking him. No, come on. Rational people are not going to run into it, it doesn't work. So what I'm proposing is the problem of truth is far deeper than that. And I want to journey with you down 
uh, through the ages back into the book of Genesis, okay? Let's look at the book of Genesis. God gives a prohibition and he gives a liability, a prohibition and a consequence. And he says, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will surely die. You'll surely die. And then we might think to ourselves, uh, wait a minute, uh, we, we know the rest of the story. They did eat and they didn't die, but here's the thing. They died spiritually. They were cut off from the life of God. Their hearts became stone, cold, unresponsive to God. Ezekiel bears that out. A little bit later on, we come to the fall, Genesis chapter 3, and I'll just read a couple of verses. Notice how slippery and deceptive the lie is. Okay. Did God really say you must not eat from the tree in the garden? Did he really say, surely you will not die? I mean, think about it. Satan uses a little bit of truth and a little bit of lie, and he creates this masterpiece cocktail that plunges the entire human race away from God into death. Think of it. Now, <clears throat> I want to talk to you about something that's very personal. Uh, this is, this is uh, it, it's not something that I thought up. I'm not that smart. But this is, it's called the, the embryonic lie of the garden. The embryonic lie of the garden. And it goes this way. You know the story. Adam and Eve, right? God, God creates this this masterpiece of a universe. And more to the point, he creates the, the Garden of Eden, a paradise, and man and woman to dwell, to keep it, to tend it. They're the beautiful expression of God himself. God is delighted. He declares that everything is good. And Adam and Eve, they are saying to themselves, wait a minute. God is holding out on us. We're, we're not... We're not we're not supposed to eat this thing, and what, what, if, what if we did? I, I think God is holding, he's, he's withholding from us happiness. He's withholding from us fulfillment. He's withholding from us the very thing that would help us to achieve self-actualization, and maybe we could even know God better if we were to disobey and to eat this thing. And then what does Satan says? Satan says this, basically Satan says, yes, he is. Yes, he is. He is holding out on you. Find these things. Find fulfillment. Find happiness. Find joy apart from him or in addition to him. Right? That's what Satan is saying. Go it alone and your eyes will be open. And here's the thing. Satan has so been tempting and lying to people ever since. Ever since a cocktail mixture of truth and lie, truth and lie. 
And did you notice, did you wonder why it is that Eve quoted verbatim God's command, but then what did she do? She added to it. Hmm, I wonder about that. Here's where it gets personal. And I, I would really ask you to look at your own soul. Look at your own life. Look at the contours of your life, the ebbs and flows of your life, and ask yourself this question. If only, if only I had this or this or this. Adam and Eve, if only we could take that, then we would find happiness and fulfillment. See, um, <clears throat> I, I think the embryonic lie of the garden is this. Uh, and I, I really believe that it's true to the soul of every human being. It goes like this. If I entrust myself to God fully, if I hang my whole weight on God, if I sell out to him, if I'm all about him, if I follow hard after him, if I give up everything to go after God, he's going to let me down. He's not going to be there. He's not going to protect me. He's not going to provide for me. He's not going to... He's going to let me alone, vulnerable and afraid. I'm not going to get what I want. I'm always going to be unhappy. I mean, don't we do that? I mean, don't we do that? We do that. He'll forget me. He won't provide for me. He'll leave me alone. He'll crush my life. <clears throat> I don't know if you can relate to that or not. Uh, have you ever felt this way, <laughs> practically speaking? <laughs> you know, I mean, it comes down to the simple things like, you know, when I'm hungry, I, I think this thing is going to fill me. Uh, my, 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 my job. I think it's going to provide for me purpose and meaning and value and identity. Uh, relationships, I can always, I can finally feel some sense of the spark and the power, the passion of romance. I can be with somebody. We can build a family together. Um, if, if only my marriage were better. If, if only it, it didn't break apart. If only I was in a different body. If only I looked differently. If only I had... A better, you get the point? If only, as if to say, if I had this created thing, remember Romans, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. They worshiped created things rather than the creator, right? Do you guys mind if I share with you something a little personal about me? Raise your hand if that's okay. Okay, I'm leaving. <laughs> uh, you know, um, very personally, has uh, allows me uh, to be vulnerable, uh, and I don't mind that. The last year for me has been probably the most difficult season of my life. I really believe the most difficult season of my life. There have been other difficult seasons. Now, don't get me wrong. There have been, it's ebbs and flows, right? There are great seasons and there are valley seasons. But this past year, uh, this morning, uh, God gave me this epiphany. I want to share it with you. Uh, in the past year, um, bear with me, I lost my truck in an accident. Didn't know when I was going to get back, if I ever would. 
Now you're thinking, oh, big deal. What a sissy. No, unless I prayed for that truck for years. Like my, my son Luke once wrote and he said, if my dad had a truck, he'd be the happiest man in the world. And so I get this truck and then I lose it. I lose it. And then I had uh, the painful loss of a ministry. And people who were part of that church had also a very painful loss. And then I found out my dad had a terrible accident and he was in ICU for three months and then in home hospice for six months. So lost my truck, lost my ministry, losing my dad, and then my right shoulder, you probably think, what's wrong with your right shoulder? Well, uh, it blew out. It blew out. I couldn't even use my arm. I had to have surgery where they replaced all the bones and the joints and everything. And so I, I'm in a season where uh, no truck, uh, no ministry, uh, losing my dad, and I can't even move my arm. I'm walking around like this. You know, you know for a guy to lose the source of your strength, that way, do you know how painful that is? <sighs> Needless to say, this morning, and it was just this morning, and I'm a blockhead, I'll admit it. Um, God sometimes needs to like crack me over the head with a two by four just to, you know, wake me up a little bit. But just this morning, I realized, wait a minute, like a year later, God has restored all of those things. I, I got my truck back. Can you believe that my dad, after six months of home hospice, graduated from hospice? Wow. He's still frail. He'll, I'm sure, go to be with the Lord sometime soon, but he graduated from hospice. And then I got this surgery, and I got my shoulder rebuilt, and I got my shoulder back, and it's stronger than ever. And then I realized I got my ministry back. Now, I'm not serving within a church. But people, I'm serving in the workplace, bearing the truth of God's kingdom to relationships and people that I meet all the time. And it, it is, it, it's exhilarating. It's a joy. It's the very thing that I've longed for. So in a sense, God gave me back all the things. And you know what? In all of those cases, the what if, I was sinning in the what if because I was trying to draw out of a created thing what only God can give. And then God took all of those created things away and he allowed me to grow and to hang my whole life on him again and to be dependent upon him rather than these other things. Satan's grand masterpiece lie is to get us thinking, if only. No, God is enough. God is enough. Now, listen, I, I want to move on. I want to talk about I want to talk about the, the power of truth. Now, let's look, uh, I'm going to look just very specifically at uh, the passage in Ephesians. And I want to um, draw your attention to it. Uh, verse 13 goes this way, the power of truth. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything to stand. Three times, to stand, to, to stand, to stand. Uh, it's the position of victory for a warrior. Do you realize that? And um, it's interesting, the stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, uh, basically it means to, to be girded in your loins with truth 
And to be girded means simply to encircle yourself with a belt. It's basically an undergarment that people would wear in that day, in Paul's day and before, that would help you to be ready, to be fitted, to be prepared to put on the rest of your armor so that you could actually stand and go out and fight and be effective. It was a preparatory thing. It was an urgent personal piece of armored protection. Okay? Now, I, I love what Pastor Sam brought out last week because he was talking about the, basically the antecedent to this image. Now, it's true that Paul uh, was familiar with the Roman soldiers, right? Uh, he would have seen all of, all of this stuff on a human being who is fit for battle, for sure. But uh, I, I really appreciate what Pastor Sam brought out last week, and that is that uh, all of these pieces and then a few more are found in the Old Testament, and they speak of the equipping of the warrior king God himself. And so I believe that Paul, on the one hand, had in front of him the, the image of the Roman soldier with all of the armor, but more than that, it like evoked the memory of God as the warrior king and all the different pieces, the righteousness, the helmet, the truth, uh, all of these different pieces that were fitted on the warrior king. Now, that's important to recognize, okay? Um, uh, Satan uh, has done a work with us, and, um, uh, you know, the, the truth, uh, when, when the passage talks about truth, uh, I really believe it, it's meaning uh, truth in, in two ways. And I won't get into the technical parts of the passage because you probably get a little bored with that. I love it, but you might, I don't know, maybe you'd love it, I don't know. Uh, but there's, uh, among commentaries and scholars, there's this a question of, is it, uh, is it truth in the sense of an honesty and integrity, a, a truth of the inward parts, like a subjective kind of truth? Uh, or, on the other hand, is it having more to do with the objective truth, the, the truth of who God is and his characteristics, his essence, his being? And at the end of the day, uh, I land on it and say, it's both. And it's got to be both. Because if we're going to stand against spiritual wickedness in high places on the basis of my integrity uh, and my truth, and truth within my inward parts, like as if I, I drummed this up from my own bootstrap. There's no way. It has to be the very truth of God, his person, his characteristics, his attributes, his self-expression, his, his revelation of himself. It has to be. And in, in being impacted by that, of course, there's going to be this inward sense, this awe of truth in which then we can and should stand. You see that? Um, let me draw your attention to something a little bit earlier on in Ephesians, um, Ephesians chapter 2. God says this, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, he made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you've been saved by grace, you've been saved. Um, there's, a, there's a passage that I love. It's, um, uh, Paul says it in 2 Corinthians 4, uh, verse 6, chapter 4, verse 6, and he says, um, he says uh, God has opened 
the eyes of those so that they can see the glory and the image of Jesus, right? And a couple of verses before that, he says, Satan has blinded the eyes so that unbelievers can't see the glory of Jesus. But do you see the, the power of God, the power of truth is to take that which was dead, spiritually dead, and raise it to new life. That's, that's what the gospel is about. Uh, I want to share a couple of uh, uh, personal stories. You'll see a couple of images behind me. One is uh, an auto parts store. And I, I can do this real quick. I think you'll find it to be uh, uh, quite entertaining, actually. Um, me and my friend Mike, back in high school, we loved cars. I never had money to have a car. My first car was a 1971 Ford Torino. I bought it for $100. And the thing was like a, a, like a roll-down-the-road rust bucket. But it was my car, and I loved it. Uh, and I, I actually still wish I had it, but it just broke apart. And, but my buddy Mike, he, he worked, and he like um, rebuilt starters, and he always had cash. And he, he allowed me to ride in his 1969 Chevy Chevelle. And would you know that he put a 427 engine in it? And it had a four-speed. And I'm telling you what, this car, when he would shift those gears, that sucker would do wheelies, literally. It would lift the front end off the ground. That thing was so fast, I couldn't believe it. I loved to ride with him. And it just, it just occurred to me that I never, I never contributed to the gas. I should, I, should really, I should really go back and say, dude, here, you just take some money. I'm sorry. I never, I never even thought about that. But here, here's, I used to go into the uh, parts store with him all the time. And because he was always buying parts for his car. And, and I would go in there, and he'd be up at the counter taking care of stuff. And, and I, I'd be, like, browsing around. I don't even know what this stuff is, but it's cool to be in here. I like the smell of gas and oil, you know, that kind of thing. And I came to one of those spinner, you know, things with all the, you know, like, hanger deals on it. And, and I, I remember it to this day. Uh, there was uh, one, you know, like, saying on this a piece of plastic, and it said this. Uh, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because I'm the meanest <laughs> in the valley. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I thought, what is that? And I saw it several times when I'd stop in there, and it, it wasn't like all of the other like sayings on those little plaques. This one was different. And it got me thinking, what, what, where's that from? That, like, part of it seems off and odd, but the rest of it, and you know what I later found out? Huh, that's from, what, what is it? Come on. Oh, Psalm 23. Psalm 23. The thing is, you, do you know this? Truth has power, power to cut through. Uh, another um, uh, another uh, image that you'll see is a Bible study. And, um, you know, my brother was talking about he was uh, struggling with addictions. And uh, me too. I was just coming, uh, coming off of uh, cocaine addiction, you know, back in the day now. You know, young people are doing all kinds of other things I think are even more dangerous. Uh, but in my day, it was yeah, smoke weed, you know, drink a lot, uh, chase the skirts, uh, 
and snort cocaine. You know, that's what we did. That's what, we, that's what I did. And um, so I'm at this, um, this Bible study, and my cocaine dealer friend, uh, he uh, took me there because the police were following him. They were following him, and he wanted the police to think that he was like a Christian guy going to a Bible study. And so I'm in the Bible study, and I, I, I'm thinking, uh, I'm feeling really awkward. Because there, I mean, I probably have like, you know, white powder underneath my nostrils. I don't know, man. I was jacked out. And I'm in there, and I'm feeling super awkward. And there's these, these people, and they're talking about serving the Lord. And I'm like, what, what are you talking about? And, for, and I'm thinking, why would you do that? Give up a Saturday to go, like, what? what is wrong with you? But it was other. It was something different. And then after the fellowship time was over, I remember everybody kind of gathered, and there was a counter. And this was a Catholic Bible study. My roots are Catholic, you know. And so there, there was a priest. Now, listen, I don't remember anything the priest said during his homily. Uh, but I, what I do remember is when he opened this huge Bible, and when he read from that Bible, there was something that happened deep inside of me. White powder and all. You know, and I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to challenge you with this. I don't care how far you've gone. I don't care what you're into. I don't care how dark and dirty your life is. The power of the truth of God will penetrate no matter where you are. And there I am, there I am, my brother, absolutely, there I am, powder under my nose. And here somebody's reading from the scriptures, and I am fully engaged, and somehow what that person is saying is getting down into me, and it's, it's taking root inside of me, and it's changing me. And I was terrified because it was an absolutely other kind of experience. I'd never experienced and felt that way ever before. And when it was done, I thought, man, I'm, I'm, th this must be what an overdose is like because I'm freaked out. Like, I, I've finally done too many drugs. This is too much. And so I, I went home and I thought, surely, surely I get a good night's sleep, good night's sleep, and things will be back to normal, back to normal. You know, the next day, I'm here to tell you, the, the truth of it is this, the next morning, it wasn't gone. It was stronger. It was stronger. And whatever, whatever tap roots of the kingdom of God and his truth that got inside of me, I'm telling you what, they were growing, 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 and it transformed me. And finally, I'm driving down the road, uh, and it's after work one day, and I've got a 19 car buffs. You guys are going to love it. I had a 1966 teal-colored Pontiac Bonneville with a 396 in it. And I'm driving down the road, and I'm listening. During that time, listen, we didn't have, like, podcasts or Bluetooth. Man, I'm listening to a cassette tape of a message, you know? And I'd had, like, a backseat full of eight tracks. That's the, the day that we're talking. But I'm listening to this message on John 12, 46, where Jesus says, I have come a light into the world that whoever believes in me shall not abide in darkness. You know what? God spoke to me. That's my life verse. And it was, for me, the milk of the word. Because I could, it was the one word, I. 
Okay, <laughs> Jesus, that's enough for me. I mean, I had to walk with that. Do you realize for an entire week that one verse trying to like nibble on it because it was so impactful? It changed my life. Do you, do you see the power of truth? The belt of truth. Gird your soul with the belt of truth. That's what we're talking about here. It changes lives. Change your life. Finally, I want to I want to uh, quickly move through the person of truth. Um, the person of truth. Jesus says this. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. I am the... Do you know that that is a declaration of Jesus' deity, <laughs> one with the Father? It's a profound statement. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I, I want to, for whatever you're thinking right now, free up what you're thinking and focus on something other. What we don't know, we don't know. Think about this for a moment. Think about what I'm about to read from Hebrews chapter 1. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. the exact representation of the Father's glory. I think that's powerful. Jesus, in John's Gospel at chapter 18, he answers Pilate and he says, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. I've come into the world to testify to the truth, the person of truth, the incarnate, very spoken word of God. Can you think of anything more profound than God in the flesh bearing witness to the truth of reality of the highest sort? Uh, Rudolf Otto, uh, back in, I think, the 1930s, he did a study uh, of uh, religious experiences, people who have, had had encounters with God. And he uh, took all the... It doesn't matter, doesn't matter what kind of religious structure you're from. He, he did a study of everybody, uh, every faith tradition, and... What he discovered is very interesting. He discovered something that he called numinous awe. Look it up. Numinous awe. Uh, numinous simply means the divine being. And, and this is what he said about it. He said that uh, during these, these uh, experiences that people have with God, uh, they, they, they're, they're, so in, they're so profoundly impacted by the person of God 
that they're, on the one hand, they find it to be repugnant and repulsive. They, like Peter in the boat, you know, when he says, Lord, I'm a sinner, you know, go away from me. He, he can't stand to be in the presence of the deity. And so there's a repulsion, there's a repugnance. He can't stand it. But then on, on the other hand, you're so incredibly drawn to it. You're compelled by it. You have to be there. You have to experience it. So you've got this tension going on. And C.S. Lewis talks about it this way. He says, you know, uh, it's like if, if somebody were to say to you, there's a spirit in the room, and you were to believe it, you would be profoundly impacted, not fear in the normal sense, but it would be a unique kind of fear. As a matter of fact, it would be a dread. You would dread it, and you would be in awe of it. Numinous awe. And here, I'm telling you today that if you have had an experience of Jesus in your life, you have experienced numinous awe, the person of truth. And that person will forever change your life. Do you believe this? Do you hear his voice speaking to you? Those on the side of truth, hear my voice. That's what Jesus says. Okay? Listen, to summarize, I want to say this. Bottom line. Bottom line. Uh, my response to God's truth, in answer to the question, is it important? My response to God's truth has eternal significance. You've got to understand, we are engaged in a cosmic battle. Satan wants our souls. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He's going to Come after Peter, the apostle Peter, and sift him as wheat. That's what Jesus tells you. You better watch out, he says. My response to God's truth has eternal significance. And here's the invitation. Do you accept it or do you reject it? That's the question. Do you accept it or do you reject it? You got to choose. Today is a day of invitation for you in your soul. Accept or reject, you got to choose. You do. The next is my responsibility. If I am truly going to receive God's vast power, I have to take up and use his PPE, his armor, the personal protection equipment. I got to do it. I've got to do it. And then finally, this my realization is this I have victory over Satan with God's resources. I can. Stand, stand, stand. That's what Paul says. I can stand victoriously if I put on this armor and if I engage with it and if I'm sincere with it. And here's the thing. If I have truly had an experience of Jesus in my life and if I have been reborn into the very image of God, absolutely we can stand. Okay, now listen. I'm going to close with this very quickly. And thank you for your patience. I know we all got a little excited today. So... <laughs> Uh, super, um, super glad that you uh, hung with, hung with me. Didn't fall off the horse. Uh, I want to apply it and just uh, uh, very quickly apply it. And um, has there anybody ever been to the the cool coffee shop on South Pier Drive called Ebflow? Ebflow. Anybody? Nobody? Yeah, you should get there. It's really cool. It's really cool. So, in honor of my favorite coffee shop in Sheboygan, uh, my application is Ebflow. Okay, Ebflow. The first one is this. Um, embrace God's power. You know, uh, 
His strength is made perfect in our weakness. We don't, we don't have what it takes to stand up, to stand. Uh, we've got to lean on God's presence and power. The next one is uh, believe God's truth. Now, hey, listen, the devils believe, right? The devils believe, they tremble. Uh, it, it's, it, belief is obedience. Obedience. I forgot that. Obedience. Right? Ebb. Then uh, the next one is feel God's truth. Uh, I really believe that negative emotion is uh, a good indicator that we are believing lies untruth. Uh, I'll give you a, a very, very quick example. If, if, I, if I find myself to be uh, so anxious that I can't function, now there may be medical or chemical imbalances, I get that, but if I find myself being so absolutely overwhelmed with anxiety or anger or fear, you know what I can very quickly do? I can trace that emotion back to an untruth, a lie that I'm believing. It's very simple. So be in check with your emotional life. Feel God's truth. It will usher in confidence and joy. It will. And then next is live God's truth. Live it. Live it. A uh, quick example. Uh, a friend of mine down in Tucson, Arizona, where we used to live, he was going out to work one day, and his battery was dead. And at the same time, his neighbor lady came out, and uh, he's, my friend said, hey, can, can you give me a, a jump quick? My battery's dead. And the lady looked at him, and she said, uh, uh, God will provide. God bless you. And she drove off. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's not living the truth. She, what she spoke was true, but she didn't live it. Come on, we got to live it. Uh, remember, the rabbi embodies, Jesus embodies the very teach, uh, truth that he teaches. And we don't want to know everything that the rabbi knows. We just simply want to embody the lifestyle of the rabbi. We want to emulate him. So live it, live it. And finally this, one-to-one -one sharing of God's truth. Sow kingdom seeds. Sow it. Your neighbors, your friends, your coworkers at school, on the job, down the street, in the restaurant. People need the Lord. And God has positioned you in that sphere of influence so that you can bring the kingdom. When you arrive, guess what? The kingdom of God arrives. Okay? The problem of truth, the power of truth, and the person of truth. May we live into God's truth and embody his person. Let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you for this time that we could spend here together. We're grateful for, we're amazed, really, at your truth. You have been so kind and gracious to each one of us, and I pray that you would help us to have an amazing week. Help us to take these truths to heart. May they transform us. And Father, please, may you be glorified in the way that we live. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Arise family. You are dismissed. Uh, water and donuts, I'm told, out in the big area. Uh, have a great week.